This podcast was created for informational purposes and was not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional counseling, life coaching, or medical or mental health advice, diagnosis, or treatment. By engaging with this podcast and the associated materials, you agree to be 100% responsible for your interpretations, decisions, and personal safety. If you are struggling, please seek professional help. For me, it was, you know, I had to go into these caves and turn off the flashlight and sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there. I can reach my hand in front of my face and touch the ceiling of the cave because it's so claustrophobic. The exit is not close by. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Cadell, and you're listening to Little Big Voices from Austin, Texas. Today, my guest is Matthew Sturdivant, professional photographer, lecturer, author, and life adventurer. His photographs have graced the pages of the New York Times, Rolling Stone, Fortune Magazine, and the Men's Journal. He is the author of two books. The first, The Sound of Austin, portraits and essays of the most intriguing and influential musicians who call Austin home, including stunning portraits of Willie Nelson, Lyle Lovett, and my favorites, Junior Brown and Alejandro Escovedo. His latest book, The Topography of Fear, is both an external journey of traversing the continent on motorcycle over mostly gravel roads and off-road trails, and an inward journey of facing his dragons of worry, doubt, fear, and panic attacks. If you're like me, you'll find Matthew goofy, brave, sweet, articulate, talented, and impatiently searching for peace, truth, and adventure. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you. That was a lovely introduction. <laughs> I want to listen to it. Who is this guy? Yeah. He sounds interesting. <laughs> I wondered if you would be interested in doing a meditation. Sure. Do you meditate? I would say um, I have sporadically uh, a lot over the years. There's times when I've been very disciplined and I make myself accountable to another human being and I'll text that person uh, as I do my daily meditation so that I actually do it. Because mm -hmm. if I just, if I, if I don't hold myself accountable to somebody else, I'll just be like, eh, I got too much stuff to do. There's been good results. Um, like the, the first book, The Sound of Austin, that came, to, I was meditating. And when I was wrapping up a meditation, this idea came into my head clear as day, which is you need to make a book. And I mean, that afternoon, I went to the bookstore and said, how do you make a book? The guy that was the buyer at the big bookstore uh, came down and, and uh, so it's just green light, green light, green light. And that was directly after a meditation. And Mark, I've, I've had times where I do meditation for a full month and it just makes me resentful because I'm like, I wasted all that time. <laughs> I wasted all that time. Yeah. I want it to be like a, a cool, a warm fluid goes over me and I'm all relaxed and, um, it doesn't work that way. It's like exercise. You have to do a lot of work and the rewards are three weeks down the road. May I lead us through a meditation? Sure. Or would you like to lead us through a meditation? By all means, you lead. If you're comfortable closing your eyes and listeners, if you want to do this, if you're not driving, if you do, maybe pull over. First, I just invite us to breathe in this morning, this Oregon morning this Texas morning, 
wherever you are in mourning. Breathe into that belly. The belly holds so much of our, our past. It holds so much of our concerns, some of our fears, some of our hurts. So breathe into that and let's touch it. And just expand that diaphragm. And as we breathe in and we welcome this day, we welcome this sun, this blue sky, wherever you are today, welcome. Welcome the energies of Father Sky and Mother Earth. All the energies of the directions. All the ancestors that came before us on whose shoulders we stand. We invite in all of us today a journey. And may this journey with Matthew today be full of hope, clarity, truth, love, adventure. One more deep breath. One of the first things that caught my attention in the book, you use the word saddle up and saddle. When you were a little kid, did you want to be a cowboy? Hell yeah. I remember living in, uh, we lived in Arizona when I was like two or three. And I had, instead of little green army men, I had little plastic cowboys. And, you know, you could set them up across the room and shoot them with a little rubber band uh, gun. And, uh, you know, Johnny Cash was on the radio. Uh, John Wayne was on TV. Yeah. And then you fought for justice and you fought for uh, integrity. And uh, yeah. So when I was a kid, that was what it's all about. What's your earliest memory? I, uh, I was left unattended and I fell into a swimming pool. And I remember sort of walking on the bottom of the pool and I somehow ended up on the other, I didn't know how to swim. Um, but I ended up on the other side of the pool and nobody knew that I had fallen in and, uh, they figured out that I walked across or whatever, cause they found a splash where my shoes were and a splash where I got out of the pool. <laughs> And it was just like the opposite ends of the pool. But I remember being on, down there. And yeah, I was, I was like less than three. Mm -hmm. So you want to play a little game? Yeah. We're going to do a scale of zero to 10. Okay. First thing that pops in your mind. There's quite a few of these. So bear with me. All you right. can always say pass. Okay. Zero is no fear. Doesn't even enter the equation. Mm -hmm. Three-ish is... You know, a little nervous. Five-ish, you get to, you know, anxious. Mm -hmm. Six, seven-ish is panic, panic attacks, that, that kind of thing that the voices start. And 10 is terrified. Okay. You ready? Yep. Making love. Uh, two. Introducing yourself uh, to someone you don't know. Four. Approaching a famous person. Two. Cooking for a date. Three. Physically suffering. Uh, that might be a four. 
death. Um, usually six, but there are moments when it's ten. Getting fat. I've accepted it fully. One. <laughs> Getting old. Uh, three. The afterlife. Eight. Getting cancer. Six. Needles. Zero. STDs. Zero. Choosing which shirt to buy. If there was something less than zero. Alcohol. Uh, these days, zero. Your wife leaving you. Mm. That'd be, uh, yeah, like a eight. Skydiving. She bought me, uh, for my last year's birthday, she bought me skydiving lessons. No way. Uh, that's a eight. Looking over the edge of a cliff. Mm, four. Family dying. Five. Running out of gas in the desert. That's a, uh, yeah, that's... That's a lizard brain thing. Um, that's a, a, a nine. Snakes. Four. Bears. Two. Climate change. Eight. Car wreck. Three. Tarantulas. Two. Motorcycle wreck. Uh, five. Political discussions. Uh, it's not so much fear, just boredom. So zero. <laughs> Going insane. Six. Being wrong about what's important. Uh, two. Being irrelevant. Four. Not leaving a legacy. Five. Wow. Thank you. The, the, on that scale, I seem, I feel like it sounded like I was fairly well adjusted. Oh, we'll add them all up like in those tests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd like to read a paragraph from page nine. Black Dragon is the chapter name. If I had one wish, it wouldn't be to win the lottery. It would simply to be free of this unnecessary fear. I've dealt with this crazy bullshit for the last three decades, but the first 12 of those, I would pour beer all over the problem and it usually fixed things until the drinking itself became an even bigger problem. Now eight years sober and I'm here, I'm dealing with this in the middle of this freaking nowhere. This might be the single dumbest idea I've ever had. What was I thinking? Coast to coast on dirt roads? Are you kidding me? You know, part of me thought I could rip off the Band-Aid and get rid of my fears by just doing it. 
And uh, there's a great book by Eva Holland called Nerve, where she tries that. She's afraid of heights and she jumps out of an airplane and it doesn't work. It just traumatizes her further. The first go round on the trip, I tried to face my fears and I did some of them, but not others. And, and the great thing about alcohol for me was it worked for a really long time. I love alcohol. I, I you know, I, I, I uh, if, if I wasn't an alcoholic, I'd be drunk right now. I just, I, I, I love the way I feel. Um, but it, it becomes too much of a crutch and you get mad at your boss. So now you're drinking, you get mad at your wife. So you're drinking or you're just want to celebrate or you're bored to, to try to quit on your own and to fail over and over again for 15 years. That was, um, that's that's terrifying. That's that's you know you were saying on that scale of one to ten. Um, that's me feeling like I have no choice but death. I have no choice but I'm sliding down a slippery slope to um, to feel like you have no control and you can't jump off the conveyor belt. Uh, is pretty terrifying. Uh, so much I want to ask you, but first I want to read something. Okay. In about 180 miles, we called it quits at a day's end, which had three beds in one room, saving us a little money. Next door was a place called Booby Bungalow, a not-so-subtle titled topless joint. As the full moon was rising near the Booby neon sign, we discussed going over for a novelty visit. An online review of the joint read, Come for the chicken wings, stay for the hepatitis. <laughs> We were bushed, and I was married, so we opted out. For dinner that night, I ate tuna from a full pouch with goldfish on mushed Kaiser rolls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just so nice to read this book and to go through all the voices. Some of them are funny. Some of them are panicking. Some of them are celebrating. It's a microcosm, really. And I think if we all looked, we would see similar adventures that we're that we're brave enough to take, right? I think the thing that I would encourage readers is that you don't have to jump out of an airplane or get on a motorcycle to go on an adventure. It's just different for different people. It seems like to me that fear and adventure kind of go hand in hand. Would you agree? Yes. And, uh, you know, when you were a kid... And it's Halloween and your friend is hiding in the bushes and jumps out and goes, blah, and scares you. you. You're scared at first. And then what happens next? You laugh about it. And adventure is the same way. You take on a risk, you survive it. And then, you know, you're kicking back at, at, in the hotel lobby afterwards. You know, most people drinking a beer or whatever. And because you, you recall the experience, like, wasn't that great? I didn't know if we were going to make it. You know, you're, we had a flat tire on a mountain pass. That was horrible. But you know, these people came and helped us and we got through it. It's that moth to the flame thing. It's like, I'm terrified of it, but I still am attracted to it. Do you feel that way in your love relationship now? Yeah, no, probably so a little bit. She's from another country. She's younger than me. She's, uh, you know, she speaks five languages. She's a lot like travel. She's, she has different culture. She's amazingly smart and she can fix motorcycles and yeah, she's fascinating. What are you looking for? Uh, so I have found a modicum of peace and 
right now, I think it's sort of my role to say like, hey, man, there's gold in them there hills and I found some and you just got to go get it. It's right there. You know, here's a shovel. By telling people I can totally relate to your fear, you're just a human being. You're not a you're not a total screw up. You're not a monster. That's when I felt forgiveness, when I could comfort another human being. And so with this fear stuff, it's um telling people like, no, there there really is a way out. That's encouraging. You've mentioned a couple of ways that have helped you with your fear and anxiety. Cognitive behavioral therapy was one. Yeah. To help people have hope who are maybe um sick of therapy, sick of pills, sick of trying to solve the problem of their personal anxiety. I had done lots of different therapy and, and I tried, there was a tapping thing I did that was, I did that. I tried the eye thing. It does work for some people. It didn't work for me. But finally I met somebody who had the exact same symptoms as I did, whose panic attacks were agoraphobic in nature. She didn't love elevators. She was terrified of flying. She didn't like wide open spaces. And I was like, and you're better now? And she said, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll do whatever the hell you did. If I have to walk across hot coals for a hundred miles, I'll do it. Cause I, I just was so sick of carrying the burden of this anxiety. The therapist's office is a trip because the pictures on the wall are crooked for the OCD people. You open a drawer and there's like rats in a bottle or tarantulas and stuff. It's all these, none of that stuff scares me. But um, the climax of that therapy, was him gradually doing things that made me more and more uncomfortable and just sitting with the fear. And when you do it enough, you retrain your body and your nervous system to say, oh, I've been here before. It's scary, but I already know the punchline of this joke and it's, it's not going to kill me. I was handcuffed to a file cabinet in his office. He closes the door, puts a chair against the door, goes out for coffee. It didn't really scare me, so we had to ratchet it up. And then at the end, towards the end, I'm in a mummy bag. I'm wearing my I'm wearing a my rain jacket, and it's a rubber rain jacket with uh, and I have my hiking boots on, and I get in a sleeping bag, which just feels gross to have all your clothes and shoes on in a sleeping bag. It's just ugh. he handcuffs me. I'm breathing through a straw, so my breathing is restricted. And uh, yeah, and a mummy bag, and it's zipped up. You know, I can I can barely see out of my eyes. He said, are you panicked yet? And I was like, I don't know how I'm not, but I'm not. And he goes, okay, what about this? So he sits on my legs. So now I totally can't move my legs at all. So it's like, I may as well have been, you know, buried up to my neck in concrete. And yeah, the panic was starting. He said, is it bad? And I said, yeah, it's pretty bad. And he goes, okay, hyperventilate. So I hyperventilated. And then I was like, okay, freight, you know, freight train, red alarm, red alert, like full bore panic. And then he goes, perfect. This is where we're going to sit. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, you can't, I thought, you, you, there's no way this is ethical. You can't just, and he's like, no, we're just going to sit here. And I was like, okay, just trust him. Just trust him. He's helped lots of people. The first thing he said to me was, if I do my job right, we're done in six sessions. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And, and that, that was the best sales pitch I've ever heard. Because most therapists I've been to, they want to see you for six years. This guy was really great. Jason Richards in Bend, Oregon, Bend Anxiety Clinic. That sounds like it helped you. Any other less dramatic ways? The way we started this interview with the diaphragmatic breathing, that signals your parasympathetic nervous system that the bear has already wandered down the trail. He's no longer a threat. He just The bear was just sniffing at you. He doesn't care. 
He's not even hungry. He was, he startled you for sure, but you're okay. And by doing that physical breathing, um, you move past it. Could you teach us how? Yep. If possible, I lay on my back so that I can feel my belly rise and I inhale through my nose and my belly expands and I, and my hand is on my diaphragm so that I can feel the belly rise. Sometimes I inhale for four seconds. Sometimes I hold it for four seconds and then exhale for four. The Navy SEALs do the one where it's, you don't do anything for four seconds. You inhale for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, and then you exhale for four seconds called box breathing. Either of those work. It tells your body that the threat has passed and it gets you back into relax mode instead of fight or flight. And it sounds too good to be true. It sounds like it could never work, but it totally does. Hmm. What if a person was asking for advice and said, Matthew, I really want to write a book. I'm scared to write it and never want to ever read it. I'm scared to try writing it and realize I can't. Just get it out of your head onto the paper and then worry about the details later. Hmm. What about the person who says, I've been divorced twice and I'm afraid to try again. I can't bear the hurt but I want the adventure of love and companionship. With that, I would say nothing risk, nothing gained. Just that simple. What if a person was asking for advice and said, uh, man, I went to church when I was a little kid. I can't figure out this God thing. I want a spiritual journey. How do I start? Even if you don't believe, pray anyways. Most of the time, I don't believe. but I. Every day that I have made the action as if I believed, I've stayed sober, I've gotten through hardship, gotten through divorces. One of the more touching uh, moments in the book for me was when you knelt beside your bed in the hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. Have you forgiven yourself? No, I'm working on it. I'd say I'm 25% of the way there. What would you tell your younger self if your younger self said, what, do you, what advice do you have for me as I start this journey? Be kinder to yourself because, you know, we all stumble. We all get afraid. And when we're afraid, we act like jackasses. And uh, so, yeah, just be kind to yourself. What would you tell uh, little Matthew when he somehow climbs his way out of that pool, what, what, describe that moment if you, if you could be there as you are now to greet him out of that pool. That's a man. That's emotional for me. Um, just, uh, Hey buddy, I'm glad you made it out of there. I'm sorry. Your family wasn't mean for not, noticing you were gone they were just distracted by something else it wasn't nobody was it was an accident thanks for that matthew yeah i hope everyone out there listening i hope you get a chance to meet matthew sturdivant you'll find him to be as goofy as he is sober as he is spiritual as he is real and sometimes he loses his temper it appears in this book sometimes he worries himself to death. Sometimes he pushes away people that are close to him. A hundred percent good human. 
She's just 100% good human. Thank you. I didn't invent anything here. Everything I do, people have done for me. I'd like to speak to the listeners here. If you are a travel junkie or if you just love adventure or if you just love adventure vicariously through others or if you like to laugh or if you find people a mystery (laughs) or if you're down on your luck, if you find yourself anxious, scared, or if you find yourself falling in love buy this book. Very well put. Thank you. You may purchase the book at thetopographyoffear.com, which is also in the show notes. What is your greatest wish for your readers? To know that there's hope, but you have to, you have to participate and ask for help. What's your greatest wish for humanity? My greatest wish for humanity is that we learn that selfishness has a negative impact on other people and the planet. What is your greatest wish for your wife? To understand that I love her completely for exactly where she's at right now. She doesn't have to improve. She doesn't have to um, become another person. What's your greatest wish for yourself? My greatest wish for myself would be to maybe completely forgive myself and enjoy the rest of the movie. Thank you, Matthew. I couldn't be more honored to be speaking with you today. All right. Thanks, Mark. Little Big Voices creates human connection and understanding by listening. If you'd like to join and support the cause, please visit littlebigvoices.com. For as little as $2 a month, you'll help support and celebrate the little and big voices in us and around us. In return, you'll receive cool gifts, exclusive content, live interviews, a peek behind the scenes, and most of all, the opportunity to help shape the program with your ideas and feedback. The opinions, views, and advice expressed by guests of Little Big Voices are exclusively theirs and do not necessarily represent those of the producers. Please see the show notes for more information about today's podcast. And always remember, your voice matters.